Hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. This is a little uh, snippet of something we recorded on Halftime. We do weekly live shows on the Halftime app. Uh, it's a really good download. There's a lot of great basketball content on there, a lot of great basketball creators. And you can catch us live weekly. Uh, we're going to be interacting with a couple people on here. Uh, the great at CJ Marchesani, um at uh wolves culture came on and at buttermilk jesus came on uh, a lot of great guys came on and we just sort of gave some general reactions to what was going on during the draft uh the draft was crazy um as you can tell we've sort of taken a break uh we did do a huge live stream during the draft i was hoping to post that as a pod i don't think it's going to work out the, the audio file is just uh, a little corrupted and, and hard to do that with, but um, there's there's some exciting offseason content coming. Uh, we're gonna do some draft sort of grade type things. I don't really believe in draft grades right after a draft, but sort of a more in depth discussion of what went on during the 2021 NBA draft. But this is a bit more loose. Uh, it's just it started off just Cooper and I just having some fun, tossing some stuff back and forth, and. Uh, Speaking of Cooper, we want to give him a shout out at Cooper Rockets. Uh, he's the new member of the Upside Swings team. Uh, he, he's been great. We wanted to bring him on. We announced that during the live show. Like I said, that was meant to be posted as a pod, but uh, couldn't be posted. Um, but this is great. And you guys tune in to halftime every week. Uh, we do a lot of great stuff on there. We have a lot of fun. So uh, it, would, it would mean a lot if you guys uh, download the app and, and hopped on occasionally. It's 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 a great app. It's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, here's about thirty to forty minutes on uh, some initial thoughts from the 2021 NBA draft with uh, some friends. So um, we hope we hit our ceiling here. Thank you. How's work? Uh, it's you know it's work. It's it's sucking up today. I I'm thinking about Josh Christopher and it's making work that much worse. <laughs> I mean, I love Josh Christopher. I love Christopher, but but you could have had Sharif Cooper. So. I could have had Sharif. I mean, does Sharif give you the same vibes as Josh Christopher? Absolutely not. Josh Christopher's vibes have been immaculate, but we could have had Deuce McBride. I know uh, this is this is exactly the way to start off. Uh, so I just shared it. Um, hopefully we can get this thing recorded nice and good. And then, yeah, yeah, we'll get this thing going. I just wanted to talk. We only have a little bit of time, uh, but I wanted to talk about like sort of like the overarching themes from last, last night's draft. Some, some interesting, like overall things that happened. Um, at some point I want to talk about the fact that like the fifties was all bigs, um, but first, I just want to ask you, Coop, if you had to pick one winner from this draft, uh, who who are you picking? Uh, I think it's got to be the Hornets. Uh, they came out of this draft with, like, two lottery guys on my board and somebody who's very easily, like, if not a lottery talent, then a, a you know, just after the lottery talent in book night. Uh, and then Scotty Lewis, I think will be fun with Borrego, uh, being able to just do whatever he wants him to, to muck up things on the defensive end for other teams. I don't think there's a better match for him than Borrego. So I think that's, I think they 
unequivocally had the best draft, especially next to LaMelo with JT and Kai. Just Yeah, great. I'm with you. We're on the same page. Um, that would be my winner. If I had to pick another winner, um, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly probably go with the Nets. Um, I don't love the Dayron Sharp pick at 29. That's the one I don't like. But I like Cam Thomas a lot at 27. I think that's good value. Um, I really liked their pick of uh, Kessler Edwards. Like that might be pure, purely numerically like the best pick of the draft in terms of where I had them ranked versus where he went. Uh, I think there was a 20 pick disparity there for me. Or no, I had him 15. He went 40. 40. Where do you go? Yeah. 44. So uh, almost a 30 picks. Um, you know, the, I liked Zegarowski for them. Um, so, so that's probably where I'm going. Something I want to hit on. So this is uh, this is going to show exactly how draft nerdy we are. Is instead of talking about the top of the draft, I want to talk about the fact that picks 52 through 60 included Luca Garza, Charles Bassey, um, Balsa Koprovica, Jericho Sims, Georges Kalazakis, and then also I probably should have mentioned that 50 was Philip Petrusev. What do you think the obsession with like with like unscalable bigs towards the back end of this draft was? I thought that was so weird. I I have absolutely no idea why that would actually happen, other than uh, as we were talking about just favors for agents and all that kind of stuff. Like there is no logical reason as a team to be like, oh yeah, let's get a big. <laughs> like you could literally pay Harry Giles the veterans minimum and actually have someone who can play on an NBA floor and not just a waste of a pick. And I get that it's the 50s, and it's like, you know, 75% chance this guy barely sees G League time even. But, like, come on. Uh, this It was a very deep draft, and just felt very sad. Yeah, a lot of wings went undrafted. Um, uh, you know, obviously there was one big faller that we'll get to. Um, but I also think like, like there was sort of that glut of combo guards towards the back end of the second half and, or of the first half, excuse me. And they just didn't get drafted. I mean, Shreve Cooper, obviously, uh, Hey, buttermilk. How's it going? Going good. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I just, we I want to talk about really quickly, like, like the, some of the fallers that I think, um, really sort of blew us away, maybe in the order they went. Like, I think we all thought there were a lot of combo guards or even some of them you could just call straight-up guards who were uh, real first-round talents um, or or who we had ranked higher than where they went. I mean, Bones Highland at 26, okay. Cam at 27, okay. Jaden Springer, 28, seems really low. All of those guys went behind Quentin Grimes. Um, you know, like, yeah. obviously... Jason Preston, Rokes Yokobitis going ahead of Deuce McBride just seems really backwards. And, and a certain Jared Butler at pick 40. Well, yeah. Butler is the one sort of like, yeah. Yeah. Butler is the one that I'll sort of like give the caveat of I don't know the medical stuff going on. I'm guessing, I'm hoping it's fine, but like, I don't know. There were some, and then obviously, you know, the big one is Sharif, right? Like, Sharif to 48 is just crazy. Um, 
I'm, I'm, the Hawks, the Hawks might be the biggest players in the draft from a value standpoint, just because Jalen Johnson and Tree Cooper without a single lottery pick is crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I getting, actually like. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Coop. Oh yeah, getting two lottery talent guys or just next to the lottery talent is just an absolutely ridiculous haul for a team that had one pick, right? Just yeah, I just. I'm a little lower on Jalen Johnson, but still, to get either of those two at 49 is nuts. So, you know, whichever one was at 20, whichever one was at 49, it hardly matters. Um, that was a – they had a really good draft. I just – I'm so shocked by not only the order those guys went, but just the fact that they fell at all. Like, I really thought those guys would sort of make up the entirety of the 20s, but it, it also pick 30, of course. But instead, it's like – Dayron Sharp, Santi Aldama, um, you know, you could argue Josh Christopher, Isaiah Jackson at 22, like just sort of like just some weird guys that went ahead of ahead of those guys. So, like, which which of those guys do you really think is is the best bet to sort of break out, or do you feel like maybe we misevaluated them at all? Uh, Coop, I'll throw that to you. Uh, I going to be a bit biased here. I do like Josh Christopher. I think he'll have a lot of chances in Houston. Uh, like, not just... I don't think that he is the, the guy who I would, like, in a vacuum bet the most on to like, take whatever kind of a leap or, like, really be a contributor. But because he's in that context, you know, being drafted so late, I, I think that makes him the most realistic. Or maybe Santi Aldama, if the Grizzlies just force feed him minutes at the, you know, but you know, yeah. it, it really could all depend on injury or, you know, trades or anything, free agent signings. Very good. I second the love for Josh Christopher. I had Josh Christopher like up there with Book Knight and Trey Mann and the Keon Johnson's of his class. So I, I also love him in Houston. I think he's a really great breakout candidate. Um, as far as the combo guards, I think Cam Thomas is a guy that on this Nets roster, I think if you put him in a bunch of second unit kind of scenarios, basically in his rookie year, I think he's a guy that can produce and break out for his relative draft position, right? At pick 27 or pick 28, like um, wouldn't be surprised to see him go in like lotto and redrafts as soon as next year. Right. So. Yeah. That's, that's one that really stands out to me too is uh I think Cam Thomas is someone who is going to be weaponized as an off-ball scorer. And also, like, when Harden goes down or KD has to sit out for a week, like, Cam Thomas will just get touches. And even if he only blows up, like, in one of those, right, and has a great game, everyone will be talking about him as the steal of the draft. That's just sort of how this stuff goes, rookies. Um, I, I, and I had him, like – you know, call me a real hooper, but like I had Cam Thomas in my lottery. I, I think he's a special type of shot maker. He's the type of archetype I'm usually very low on, um, but I think he can be a really, really good off-ball player. And that's sort of, if, you, if you're if you sort of going with all offense lineups here as the Nets, I think he's off-ball hey, uh, Not to interrupt, but the lawn right is going to the Hawks. Just saw a Shams notification. And a oh yeah, three-teamer. Yeah, uh, Tristan Thompson, the Kings. That's that's uh, odd. Uh, yeah. 
Atlanta has so much talent at the moment. Their roster is so good. Like, yeah, and they're all I, uh, complimentary guys for Trey too. Yeah, there's. I'm I'm writing something. I want to write something. done things that's sort of entwined with my draft and building philosophy. So uh, Travis Schlenk honestly might be the best GM uh, in the NBA. Right? Uh, I feel like you've said that about like three different GMs in the past two days. Okay, well, so Travis is up there. I've raised more questions probably top three uh, after this draft, I can't put Stone up there, sadly. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sengun is the best big in the draft. Okay, this is an, a known fact. <laughs> okay, Mobley's a forward, so he doesn't count. The more I think about this draft for the Rockets, more I'm uh, I'm sort of questioning it like it's I just played of 23 and 24 like I thought those were solid picks uh, good value plays um, but man I just I think in the end I think I just default to my board that I think taking a player like Jalen Green over Evan Mobley is just I just think it's really gonna it's really it's gonna pretty matter. big mistake when it's that high up in the when it's that high up in the draft, right? Like I yeah. I, I think they I think the they counter... really nailed the last two picks, but those first two picks are uh I think questionable for the moment. I would say the counter for that is that there is a massive glut of big talent coming into the league and if this team isn't planning to be great like this year, which they shouldn't be, and I don't think they are then being able to, you know, take a step back and see, you know, we can get somebody who KPJ would really like and, you know, has great chemistry, but then also get our big talent next draft. Uh, I think that's the calculated. I mean, that's the, that's the only way Maybe. I can justify it to myself. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard, I think it's a hard argument to make because it's just, it's, it's so unpredictable to see where you're going to end up in the next year's draft position and just, yeah, basing, Current decisions off that, especially as high as like the second pick, right? I feel like that's a pretty suspect, just way to go about it. But Coop, you just got roasted too. Uh, <laughs> they said Goose guard any of them. CJ is coming for the throat today. That's uh, that's killer. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, you guys took Garuba though. That. I love Usman. Yeah, yeah Usman. <laughs> I, I about cried when we took Usman, it was a great pick. That was that the pick I wanted. Would. Usman Garuba front court has so much synergy. I think long term. Um, mm-hmm. Now imagine it was a a an Usman and Mobley front court. No, I'm kidding. Uh, that, was uh, dream, that was a dream. Be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. <laughs> I'm suffering. Okay. Uh, that was a for anyone who was with who was on the live stream with us last night. That was uh. You've got the energy, both good and bad. He had, he had an emotional night. Yeah. On with this draft um, is sort of like the craziness, right? Just a little bit of the uh, unpredictability. I think it really started at four, though I, there was always some rumblings 
that Scotty Barnes could go over Jalen Suggs. Um, did you guys like? Well, I I know Cooper's reaction. So so Buttermilk, what was your reaction in the moment when uh, the pick was announced that it was Scotty Barnes going to Toronto? I was pretty stunned because I thought that was mostly a smokescreen. Honestly, I I thought it was a bit. It just caught me off guard. I really thought Suggs was a lock to be a top four guy. So. Um, I think this signals the Pascal Siakam trade. I don't know what you guys think, but I think this trade, makes, I, yeah. I mean, this pick makes a lot more sense if that's the case. I feel like it has to. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they could go in. Like, I don't know. My thing with that is like, I don't know if Scotty Barnes can ever, ever, ever be as good as Pascal Siakam is right now. I just, I, I don't get that upside with him. Um, it's, uh, I know you're lower on Suggs, so I mean, if you were on the clock, who would who would you have taken? Well, what's why well, would have taken Kai Jones at four? Actually, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out of you, like I like Suggs way better than Scotty Barnes. I had Scotty Barnes at like 18 on my board. I uh, I just I really worry he he's not a, he's not a good offensive player at all, um, and I don't think his defense is quite as versatile as we want because. He's not a good vertical athlete, so it makes it like I don't see him as a rim protector ever. So I, you know, like to be honest, I kind of like Usman better than Scotty Barnes. Um, so do I. <laughs> I agree. So you know, I just I think that pick is is really really rough. I, there's a lot of guys I would have went with instead. I mean, I would have rather they took like Franz Wagner at um, at four. Uh, I just. Which- Speaking of, I love what the Magic did, honestly, considering they took advantage of Suggs falling, who I think really makes their backcourt, like, just theoretically just better in all of the different ways that you could somehow end up with RJ and Cole and Markel. And just, yeah, taking Franz Wagner at eight, I think it's a better, like, connector uh, bet versus Scotty Barnes. Like, um, I think his shooting is super helpful on that roster, and I think his playmaking is super helpful on that roster, so... I love that pick. Yeah. Did Orlando no, I, anybody in the second round, or am I just they got just remembering? Jason Preston, or no, that was the Clippers. Mm. That was the Clippers, but they got that from Orlando. I'm scrolling through right now, trying to find out um, something still needs to be updated. Pistons ended up with JT Thor, but I know he ended up on the Hornets actually. So it's it's all weird. I've never watched a draft on mute before, so I was like trying to keep up with what was going on. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so was interesting. I. <laughs> uh, Chaotic day yesterday. I don't think they have any second round picks. I think it was just Franz and, and Suggs. But what I like is that they're going to be bad again next year. They're trying to build like the perfect team of like elite connectors. Um, it's like like Suggs and Franz are both like elite connector prospects. Yeah. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is a very good connector. Like whatever, if if they could end up with like, like Adrian Griffin Jr. or like like if Jaden Hardy is that dude, like whoever it is, like next year that looks like a real perimeter like on ball player, like they are starting to build the perfect like team for that guy to step into and just take like yeah. all the and just kick it out. And to then these they guys. have the it's, yeah. It's like the version of San Antonio Spurs, but like East and better, honestly. Just that they're like that one piece away from just having all these interesting young pieces finally fit together and like basically become a playoff core, right? For the long term. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Is that um, Devin Vassell slander I'm hearing from you? You don't think okay, I'm sorry. Vassell's the star of the future? <laughs> I love Vassell. I had him top five. <laughs> There's no slander. I had him fourth, yeah. <laughs> we're on the same page. Uh, and then it got even crazier. At six, like, on the live stream, we were all just sitting there like, oh, this is book night. This is book night. Uh, and, and it ends up being Josh Giddy. Uh, I was I was a little stunned. I didn't think Josh Giddy would end up being like a top nine pick. To be honest, the earliest he would go is ten, um, and and that was nuts. Uh, we don't have to react to that specifically, but that sort of led to the chain of events of Kaminga at seven, and they yeah, took Bronze. When Bronze went at eight, I mean, I think Sacramento was like really at the first inflection point of the draft. Uh, that's how I felt. Like it's like this is where the draft really, really opens up and a team has to make like very hard decisions. And they made perhaps the worst possible decision they could have made. I think uh, mm. I, they are the losers of the draft, right? Like, Oh yeah. They have yeah. To be, right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no other way to talk about it. Especially now with adding Tristan Thompson the day, like, I don't, I don't think that counts, but just, is that not the most boring addition you can add to a core of, yes, you know, De'Aaron Fox and, why did they draft two dudes who are 22? I don't get it. Like, do they think they're like that close to winning? I'm just uh, CJ's going to join us. Uh, how's it going? Hey, I, I'm. I don't want to interrupt, but did you see? I, did you see the the Kings GM said they envision Davion Mitchell <laughs> guarding one through four? That was great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. At at six two. Barely. Yeah, six two. Not even six heels. two. Yeah, he's maybe. sliding down to to guard fours. <laughs> that was that was yeah. easily the worst pick in a in the, a draft that also saw Josh Primo go in the lottery. Yes, uh, we I can't wait to get the Josh Primo, but that's so that's mm. sort of what, right. Like, yeah, so David Mitchell was just a nuts pick. I I I I was not a fan of that. I don't think anyone was. And we all like everyone knew like Matt Mitchell, or Davion Mitchell was going to go higher than draft with the pad. But at nine, the team that had two guards just was nuts. And then the Yankees took Zion at ten. Like that's not awful value on my board. Uh, it sort of seems weird because I think everyone thought he would be available at seventeen. But honestly, that's, that was my of- issue with it. <laughs> I was I was kind of confused because I was just like, if this is the guy that was targeted at ten, I'm I'm not sure who we were really out competing, and is it really that much of an upgrade of whoever was going to be at seventeenth? I don't know. I was kind of disappointed the pick wasn't Moody, honestly. But um, sorry, Williams is fine. I just don't like the trade up. Yeah, yeah. Like 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 Moody. Like I would have liked better. My issue is just I don't know. Like I just yeah. Like Moody would have been better. I I don't judge too much on like the value seems weird because I don't I'm not in like an NBA front office I don't know what the value actually is like if he very well could have been like a like a uh like he wasn't gonna slip past thirteen or whatever like I have no idea um, and then book night at eleven finally gets taken I don't love that pick but it's sort of fine value where it's at um and then the crazy one. I, this might be the most out of nowhere pick I've ever like personally experienced. Yeah, um, it's up there. It's up there with Jerome Robinson. Like it's truly like an all timer. And though, like right before the like right, right before the draft, he was getting the buzz. It's like, oh, he's the top twenty guy. Uh, it, it really like Josh like was almost out of sight, out of mind here at twelve. 
do, do you? I'm gonna throw it to you first, Coop. Do you actually hate this pick, or is it just sort of jarring? Like, how? What's? How's your feel? I don't. I like. I like. I, I've I, like. Primo to the Spurs, not bad. When you just say it like that, it's once you incorporate, you know, how high the pick was. It's in like devoid of context. I really enjoy it. I think it's a great context fit. You know, he'll, they'll be able to develop him there. But it's as soon as you think, well, they could have traded back with the Grizzlies or somebody else and gotten him even just five, six picks later, if not like 10 to 15, and could have added some extra value. It's But the Spurs have not always been the best at, you know, evaluating absolute value, like with the Kawhi trade, but... Who knows? And yeah. you have to factor in who was on the board. Like, yeah. Cooper, uh, like uh, uh, Moody was still on the board. Garuba still on the board. Springer still on the board. Zaire still on the board. Dylan Johnson still on the board. Like, these are all guys I have my lottery, so. Yeah, no, I, I'm yeah. with you. Ooh, like, Primo over Moody, uh, also, like, DeMarte over Moody, too, is just as bad as, like, David Smith over Devin Vassell. Like, it's just, like, it's a complete, like, what are you doing here? Um, like, I actually think that will be an NBA player. It's just, like, I don't think he'll be as good as Moody. And I don't think he'll be as good as Moody would have been. If, like, that's all. Uh, this was, like, unexpected. I feel like he needs to a team that's, like, older and like so sold out to win now like the Pacers are not at that point I don't think um I I don't think they're quite like like we have to win now in two years it doesn't matter what the team looks like like that's the type of team I think needed to draft Duarte um I just think taking a 24 year old in the lottery man it's just it's really nuts he will be 29 when he gets his second contract it's like like, that value, just saying it out like that, like, just seems like nothing. Like, it just seems like just an awful an awful misevaluation of what the draft is really for. Um, so, yeah, and then Moody was a great pick at 14. Kispert at 15, take it or leave it. But, like, that's sort of, like, and, and then it felt like the draft got chalk for a little bit again, or at least somewhat, like, like Kispert, Sangoon, Murphy the third. Like, those are all picks that made sense. Um, until I think we got around to Isaiah Jackson at 22, the Pacers picked him. Uh, why do the Pacers love picking just centers? I don't get it. They are a team not even like, yeah. not even but, like a center with a diverse skill set that can add something new to their roster. No, just just another defending big who can't shoot. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd. Like, they drafted Batadze at 18. Uh, I think that was two years ago now. And, like, that made some sense, but we'll still join us, too. But, yeah, this, this to trade up just to draft, a, I just don't get it. Wolves, how you doing? Hey. How's it going? Pretty good. That's good. Uh, so, the next two Rockets on and Josh. They make you very happy. Um, and it was the next sort of big head scratch. That's Quentin Grimes. Uh, 
I don't hate Quentin Grimes, but for Quentin Grimes to go ahead of Sharif Cooper and both Kyle Deuce Bride and Jaden Spear just seems really off to me. I, I don't know if you guys have any specific takes. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you view him as a wing and less of a guard, but he's still like 6'5", like, does, he's not particularly long. He's pretty strong, so maybe he can guard some threes, but like, I, I feel like the, the Knicks he's just small. view him as a guard anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe then you you look at it and it changes the calculus a bit, but not enough to take him over guys who are obviously, you know, more talented or have higher upside. Yeah. I was, yeah. So I was totally hoping this pick was Tree of Hooper. Um, I think considering that they took Miles McBride later on in the second round, um, I kind of like the theory of that backcourt to a certain extent. I just don't know if I love the value, especially considering, like we've said, the other combo guards on the board still at 25. But, I mean, as a backcourt, what do you guys think about the McBride, Quentin Grimes just in the rotation together? In a vacuum, I love it. And if you switch those picks like on the board, like it actually sort of matches my board. I think it can be solid defensively. They can shoot, um, especially if you're going to give a lot of usage to R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle. Like they make sense as sort of backcourt. But yeah, I mean, like, like you know what sounds like a better backcourt? Deuce McBride and Shreve Cooper, or Deuce McBride and Bones Island, or you know, like, like, like I. Yeah, Jaden. Yeah, Jaden Springer. Uh, I would even say Cam Thomas. I I like more than than Grimes. I just like, I don't know. It's just like as much as I want to say, well, in a vacuum, I like it. It's there is no vacuum, right? Like that the draft doesn't work. Not like they still took they still took Quentin Grimes ahead of both, like ahead of all these guys who were just better prospects. Um, so it was just really weird value play for me. Um. Then so then after Grimes, it, it sort of got back to a little bit more sanity. Uh, I can't believe Bones went ahead of Jaden Springer to be honest, but I sort of get it for the Nuggets if they just want someone they can 100% count on to just bomb from really deep. Like Bones does that. Uh, Cam Thomas at 27, I really like that pick for the Nets, and then Springer finally goes at 28. Um, Buttermilk, you like Springer a lot. Like how did how did you feel about this pick here? Uh, as a Sixers fan, I think we once again uh, it reminded me on why I was a Sixers fan to begin with. Um, especially when the Grizzlies drafted Santi Aldama at thirty, I, it, this really stuck out. Um, I think Springer is a great value pick. I think it's a pick that very much reminds me of Tyrese Maxey last year. That he was also a guy that I think draft Twitter was much higher on than consensus. Consensus, and I don't know. I I, I like the fit long term. If if Ben Simmons is coming out of town and we somehow I don't know get a I don't know. Just uh, we might need more guard creation, and Maxi and Springer are guys that do that in an unorthodox way that may not be the most like aesthetically pleasing or like the easiest to make a comparison with, honestly. But I think they're guys that get the job done and have a lot of upside long term. So I'm pretty happy. Daryl Morey doesn't make silly mistakes. This is the second year in a row where like the best prospect has fallen. And he's just picked them, right? I, I mean, he's really, really good at this. Pre-draft, I was telling everybody, I wanted one of Sharif, Jared Butler, or Jaden Springer to go to Philly. 
And then we were sitting there on the board and I was live with the Stepian people. And I was like, oh, oh wait, they're all, all three of them are still there. What is going on? And it's the first time since Hinky and my Sixers fandom that I was supremely confident that Maury was just going to pick one of the three of them and everything was going to I think it's also worth mentioning that our undrafted free agency class is like really good if you compare it to just my board. Like we got uh, Dacian Nix and Aaron Henry, and I think those are guys that I had in my top 50. So um, I don't think Nix are like after the summer league. It might be the summer league thing, but. Yeah, I think Nix is just summer league. The Henry one in particular, there's some smoke going around that he kind of told teams not to draft him once it got to 45-50, and they had that one set up pretty quickly. So I, I think that that's a good sign for the Sixers being a good organization because people don't do that to go to, like, Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm saying with Knicks is, like, for example, uh, Moses Wright has a summer big deal with Toronto, and I could totally see Moses Wright staying in Toronto, like, for the regular season. I don't think Nick is going to stay with Philly after like his if he signs with an NBA team or a team. It's probably not Philly. Yeah, going to be Philly. Yeah, that's that's exactly. fair. Yeah, Dacia Nix might be a candidate to be like the next. Uh, I don't want to say his name, but Terrence Davis like plays for one team during summer league and then doesn't even really play, I guess, and signs with another one. Right now, it's right where he was. Uh, he was on the Nuggets summer league, but then find a way to go to. Uh, my brain isn't working. Uh, the Raptors. Um, so then after after twenty eight, uh, and we'll wrap this up after we do these last two picks because I think uh, Coop and I have to go. But uh, this to me was the worst pick in the entire draft, um, and that's Daron Sharp. Uh, just purely like I had Daron Sharp undrafted and not even the best of my undrafted bigs. Um, and to go at 29 just seems incredibly high. I don't understand it really much at all. I, I don't see really any chance for Dayron to be a starter. This seems a lot like drafting Tony Bradley or Yudoka Azabuki, where it's just, well, he's big, and, and we like one thing he does, so we're going to take him, and, oh, maybe he'll be the next, you know, like a Rudy Gobert, I guess, went late. But I, I, I really don't like this pick um, for the Nets at all. I don't know if you guys have any reaction to that. I didn't think it was the worst pick in the world. Was it like good value at all or like a good pick? No. Uh, but I think Dayron adds something that at least the Nets don't have. And so, I mean, it's not a very valuable thing that they don't have and it's very easy to find replaceably. But I, I don't think it's like, I don't, it's, I don't feel it's as bad as, as a bookie last. Cooper, I, I love worse because like the guys they could have gone instead of Sharp are way better than the guys they could have the Chess could have uh, instead of Luca. Like we're talking about Sharif, we're talking about uh, who else went then Charles Butler, uh, Deuce, so many guys. Like there were good second rounders in last year's draft, but not even close to this value. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think the only one argument is that he was right ahead of Jaden McDaniels. But yeah, I mean, the Nets could have had Deuce here. And, and to me, that's like, like I don't know. Or even Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I think, would have been a better version of what Dayron Sharp is. Um, I just, yeah, so 
look at that pick. Um, so the last pick we I want to hit on here, another really, really shocking one, because I didn't even think this dude was going to get drafted. I had him as a draftable player, so this isn't like the worst pick in the world, but Santi Aldam at 30 sort of caught everyone off guard. From what I've heard, he's been stashed in Spain and even really want to be drafted. So I, do you guys have any take on Santi Aldama here to the Grizzlies? I think that taking him in the first makes more sense from a contrast standpoint than most people are realizing. Like, look at Message, the guy that had like four years, or five years without signing with Philly and is now going to the Thunder. He didn't want to go to Philly. And maybe he wouldn't have gone either if he was a first rounder. Uh, obviously, I don't think it's comparable, especially as for the draft guys. But like, um, Aldama could be a really good player in Europe in a few years. So like, even if he's not an elite NBA player, but it's way easier to make him come over, go over to USA. Um, if he was drafted in the first, like that has significant money difference, especially in guaranteed cash. Okay, I think that's a fair point. I'm glad you said that. You sort of gave the opposites there. Um, yeah, I, I like Aldama a little bit. I, you know, he is he's an interesting, maybe potentially dribble pass shoot forward. So, yeah, if you and I trust you for those that don't know, Wolves like knows his shit like he is seriously like always on it so i'll i'll trust i'll defer to him if if it makes more sense from a contract point i still think it was probably a little rich for my blood here at 30 um but i guess that at least shines some more light on what's going on um and then the second round was full of crazy guys and we'll hit on that we're gonna do a draft rage pod later but uh this has been a fun live show and it's it's been a it was a fun draft we did a live show on twitch last night uh we got that should be coming out as a pod if it's not out already when you guys listen to this. Um, we're going to post this as a pod, hopefully. So uh, that being said, I want to thank so CJ Marchesani hopped on. He's at CJ Marchesani on Twitter. Um, Cozy Le- or Buttermilk Jesus at Cozy Lido on Twitter. Uh, Cooper Rockets at Cooper, score, or Cooper underscore Rockets and uh, at Wolf Culture on Twitter. Thank you guys all for helping out. Uh, This has been a fun room, and we hope to see you again um, next week. Uh, We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.